O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen. If you spend any time on TikTok or Reddit, you've probably run across the term main character syndrome. It describes the tendency for someone to view themselves as the lead character in the world. They can only see things from their own perspective, making them self-absorbed and self-centered. Those who have this main character syndrome find collaboration with others to be a challenge. Entitlement, narcissism, superiority, and attention and validation seeking are some of the symptoms that go along with it. And you all have run into these sorts of people before. The people who intentionally take up two parking spots at the mall. Those who are sitting in the left turn lane, but then decide that they want to go straight. So they make everyone behind them wait, even though there's a green turn arrow. The people who expect everyone else to change their plans to accommodate their schedule. This is obviously not a new phenomenon. It just has a new name. What people on social media today call main character syndrome, the church has called sin for 2,000 years. Now I bring this up because the main character syndrome is a good way to understand King David, whom we heard about in the reading from 2 Samuel. To be clear, it's not only politicians, celebrities, and monarchs who struggle with sin and the way it manifests itself as main character syndrome. All of us share in this tendency to have a preferential bias for ourselves and to assume reality is exactly how we see it. Recall the story of David, the runt of his family. He was the smallest and youngest of the sons of Jesse. When the prophet Samuel was told by God to go to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel, David was forgotten in a field, left watching the sheep, and yet God chose him. God was with David when he was outmatched against Goliath. When David committed the horrendous sin of taking Bathsheba and murdering her husband, God did not take away the throne from David as would have been justified. God was faithful to the promise. God has blessed David with military, political, and personal victories. But David, as all of us sinners do, suffered from main character syndrome. And that's where today's reading picks up. When David was settled in his new mansion, then and only then did he think, you know, I ought to do something nice for God. Now in David's defense, I have certainly forgotten things before. We get busy, we forget to send that thank you note. We overlook someone on our Christmas shopping list. It happens. But it's not only that David had built himself a house before he ever thought about building a house for God. It's that David thinks that there is anything that he can do for God. The whole story of David's life up to this point has been about how God has blessed him, supported him, and forgiven him. By now, David should realize that he is utterly dependent on God. But here he is, thinking that God needs him to do something for the Almighty. 
Now, it's not that David is necessarily doing anything evil. He's just got the direction of things wrong. He sees himself as the main character, as the one who has all the power and the resources to do something for God. When in reality, God is the creator, redeemer, and sustainer of all that is. The whole of the universe is God's house. If God wanted a house of cedar, well, God doesn't need David to make that happen. It is as the great preacher Fleming Rutledge puts it. God always gets the good verbs. In other words, God is the main character. Not David and not us. Now yes, we get to participate in what God is up to in this world, but we do not have the task or the burden of needing to do any of it. A lot of this comes down to that idea of enchantment that I talked about last Sunday. If we do not believe that God is up to anything in this world, well then we are going to think that it's up to us to bring about world peace or to take care of those in poverty or promote justice. But the fact of the matter is that God's will is going to be accomplished because it is God's will, not because we accomplish it. That's the primary mistake that David is making. He was giving himself all of the verbs instead of realizing that the verbs belong to God. One theologian has put it this way. It's not that the church has a mission. It's that God's mission has a church. Meaning, we are the tool, not the main character. We do not have work to do. We do not have a mission to accomplish. Instead, we have received mercy, peace, grace, and love, and we have the opportunity to participate in that salvation. But we don't have to create or earn our own salvation. Please hear this as a message of grace, not of resignation. The point is not nothing we do matters, not at all. But the point is that mattering is not up to us. We do not make our lives matter. Our lives matter because we are participating in the only thing that is true, the only thing that is eternal, the only thing that is perfect. The love of God made known in Jesus Christ. And so instead of faith being a burden or a task, faith is a gift, the gift of participating in God's story. Instead of having to make our own, and then worry about whether or not it's going to come out perfectly. And because we are a part of God's story and not the main character in our own sad stories, we can be confident that things will turn out perfectly, that all shall be well. Turning to this week's collect, we see this directionality of grace embedded within it. Purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation. God is coming to us daily. It's not us reaching out to make God presence. No, God is with us already. This is perhaps the central message of the Bible. If someone asks you, what is the plot summary of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation? You could say it would be that God stops at nothing to make his grace and love known and present. God created all that is and then visited with Adam and Eve in the garden. God came to Abraham to make a covenant. God was with Moses in a burning bush. 
God was with the people as they fled Egypt and crossed the Red Sea in a pillar of fire. Though the entirety of the universe cannot even begin to contain the fullness of God, God was willing to be confined to a temple in Jerusalem so that it would be easier for the people to imagine and interact with God. As we heard in the reading from Luke, God was with Mary and is found not in the grandeur of a temple, but in the womb of a young peasant girl from Palestine. God was willing to go so far as to even be found in a tomb after the creation he had made murdered him. This is the message of scripture. It is the hope of Advent. And in just a few more hours, it will be the proclamation of Christmas. Emmanuel, God is with us. Now in the passage from 2 Samuel, there's a word play going on both in Hebrew and in English with the word for house. We can talk about a house as the place you live, or a house can be a lineage and a dynasty. I live in a house, and Queen Elizabeth I was a part of the house of Tudor. That same double meaning of the word house exists in the Hebrew that 2 Samuel was written in. So thinking about a house, do we live in a one-story or a two-story house? What I am asking is, do we all live on the ground floor while our landlord, God, lives up there somewhere? Maybe every once in a while God comes downstairs to check on things and straighten things up a bit, but God doesn't live here. And so if we want to visit with God, we have to do things like pray as a way of getting ourselves upstairs. And if that's the case, it means that we don't really expect to run into God down here because this is not where God hangs out. And if that were the case, it would mean that all the verbs would be up to us. We would have all the chores to do because we are the main characters downstairs. We are in charge of things. We are the ones who gets to judge what is acceptable behavior in our house. We get to set the agenda and the budget for our household. We don't have to worry about a landlord who doesn't live here. Now sure, maybe he's installed some cameras to keep an eye on things, but there's no interaction. That two-story world is the one that most people, even Christians, live in. But our faith and scripture tell us we live in a one-story world. God is not up there or beyond space and time. No, not at all. God is present, accessible, always on the move and up to something. God is not locked up in a temple or in heaven. As I quoted last week, one poet has said that the world is charged with the grandeur of God. God can be encountered in prayer, in sacraments, in music, in nature, in daydreams, in fellowship, in forgiveness, in generosity, in compassion, in love. God's visitation is not occasional, it is daily. God is the main character in this world, present and active, getting all the verbs, taking up residence in our lives. And so given that, I do not have a call to action to issue you this morning. 
No admonition that you need to go out and do this or that or the other thing. Instead, I simply want to remind you of the truth of a passage that has become so familiar that we go right by the beauty and the grandeur of it. That God so loved this world that he sent his only son that we might flourish in the abundance of never-ending and unconditional love. God loves you and has stopped at absolutely nothing to be with us. As St. Paul puts it in Romans, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we might add, neither your sins, nor your doubts, nor your grudges, nor your fears, nor your mistakes, nor those things you're working on in therapy, nor the holiday weight gain, nor the uncharitable thoughts that you have, nor your inability to get things all put together or out the door on time. Nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is the story of our faith. That God is with us to guide, to comfort, to teach, to bless, to love through the strength of the Spirit and by God's grace as we are able to receive this love as the story of our lives and recognize God as the main character. We come and see the love that we were made for.